Hello and uh, welcome to episode 11 of Roy's Rants. I just realized I haven't published episode 10. I'm so far behind. I'm here with my co-host, Alex, a.k.a. A. Charles Ross. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I uh, I thought I was doing well, and I got really sick like 20 minutes before we started. I don't I don't know. Um, so we'll see how this goes. Ha <laughs> ha! Super cool. Um, it's it's getting um, unseasonably warm here in the great state of Indiana, and uh, I'm guessing my stomach just doesn't like the weather. <laughs> um, also, last night I I had an auction in my garage and I realized I am like super allergic to my garage. I woke up this morning, just so, uh, so, you know, it's just been that kind of a, that kind of a day, which is fun. Cause I promised everybody I'd do a, a ton of commission updates today. And so far I haven't touched a single thing. Ha. <laughs> anyway, um, the, it's it's now full swing of the summer movie season. Um, I have not seen The Little Mermaid yet. Uh, Spider-Man comes out this week coming. Uh, Fast and Furious, Fast X has hit theaters. Part, part um, one of the final movie. <laughs> part one of the final movie. It's the Harry Potter. It's the... Uh, what was that vampire movie? Um, Twilight. It's it's the Twilight. It's it's all that kind of crap. It's the Hobbit. Um, you, you got you, something this epic. You need to break it up into three parts. It's not like the next movie should be like eleven, and the next one after that should be twelve. No, 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 no. It is it is X part one, X part two, X part three. I don't know if they're going to end up calling them that or not. I'll be I'll be amazed if that's what they end up doing. I hope they do it that way. I hope I hope what Vin said was correct and they just keep calling it that. And I'll be like, that's hilarious. Um the other day my my eldest uh made me watch part seven part of the way. And um I uh, uh people people knock superhero movies like Michelle Rodriguez was uh quoted the other day uh talking crap on marvel films like isn't it sad they have so many and it's like really lady (laughs) um you you know in the last film before this one you guys strap rockets to a car and put it in space (laughs) you have no room to talk about the vast breadth of comic book movies that are out there and that I think that's what really weirds me out is some of the movie going audience, they like consider all comic book movies to be like sequels to one another, I guess. Not that they're like individual stories, like for some odd reason, like they can't tell the difference between a Guardian of the Galaxy and an Iron Man movie. I I don't I don't understand that, but <laughs> apparently so. <laughs> Well, I mean, they're all connected in some little way through the MCU. Uh, yeah, but that, there's a difference between connection and a full-on sequel, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like Guardians really has absolutely nothing to do with Tony Stark. You know? I agree. There are some of them, though, that you can't watch without seeing the others. Like, I mean, Civil War is, is a sequel to Winter Soldier, one of the Avengers movies, and Iron Man 3. And that's fine. 
but the, but and and the thing is though even in that concept okay so if you look at uh civil war is like basically iron man six <laughs> so to speak because they're all connected um it's still a good story it's still much more entertaining than strapping rockets to a car and launching into space i'm so glad I'm they just... finally did that <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm telling you, like I haven't seen this new one, but there better be some time travel. Just, they need to put they need to put some uh, cars on the moon. I want I want I want to see that too. Yeah, you know, like just definitely, you find out that the villain they're fighting this whole entire time is a time traveling alien, and he wants to bring dinosaurs back. Like we, uh, my stepson and I, we have a running gag uh, when we talk about Fast and Furious movies. We're like, okay, so. The next movie, clearly, we need to have Optimus Prime, uh, you know, and Bumblebee gets into a chase with Vin, you know, and they're all about family. The <laughs> Autobots are family, you know? Yeah. And they have to stop InGen from creating Decepticon dinosaurs that have Infinity Stones, you know. Uh, but yeah, speaking of Transformers, I am looking forward to Rise of the Beast. The newest rumor I'm hearing is uh, the very end credits of the scene of the movie tied into G.I. Joe. So after how many films are finally trying to do a crossover of something that like they own forever. And uh, I, I never understood why they haven't done that before, but okay. I'm Hopefully ready to it's, that. it's just as good as Morbius's after credit scene. Oh my God. <laughs> you and Morbius have a very sick, twisted relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and i have to i have to clear something up because like when i do my auctions the comments go fast and furious and i'm still trying to do my business and then people talk and i get i get all confused because i'm a simple man um did you say you hadn't seen uh into the spider-verse or was that someone else in the i comments thought we were stuff? talking about star wars today not into the spider-verse yeah I, I, i'll get to star wars in a second i'm just saying i'm at, answer the question <laughs> uh, i've not i've not seen it all the way through no oh my god such a fantastic movie and you haven't watched it what the hell what the hell i mean i'm sure i'll get to it eventually oh oh it's so good it's such a good movie that's the thing it's from sony and it's such a good movie it's weird Tony makes good movies sometimes. Sure, Morbius. Uh, uh, no, not Morbius. Craven the Hunter, check it out. It'll be great. Uh, I found Venom and Venom 2 tolerable. So, you know, there's that. Yeah, and I mean, they made Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3 and the amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Um, yeah, they also made Spider-Man 3 and The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those are both... All three of those are better than Morbius, though. True, but they're also bad but good. So that's kind of the thing. I, I love Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I know I know it's a mess. I know it's a travesty. I know it's a shit show. So, yeah, you should definitely, um, definitely check out uh, Spider-Verse. Uh, the comedy's on point. Art's good. Character has a lot of heart. And you'll see the biggest uh, kingpin you've ever seen. He is he is gigantic, sir. He, is, he just takes up a whole building, practically. <laughs> and they never explain it. He's just big. <laughs> I mean, he was pretty big in the uh, 90s Spider-Man animated series, too. 
Yeah, Dude, but huge. The, the the proportions are even more extreme this time. <laughs> anyway, that's not what we're here about. We're here to talk about Star Wars. We're going to cap off the Skywalker saga. Star Wars episode, what are we at? Nine? No, yep. ten? Ten? Nine? Nine. Nine. <laughs> nine. The Rise of Skywalker, released in 2019. It is a PG-13 film. Still have yet to have a Star Wars movie where they dropped the F-bomb. So disappointed. Um, total is total it's running time two hours 21 minutes which is kind of funny because on my Disney Plus it said two hours seven minutes I don't know why there's a discrepancy there but whatever um, the riveting conclusion of a landmark Skywalker saga new legends will be born and a final battle for freedom is yet to come directed by J.J. Abrams written by J.J. Abrams and two other dudes that I've never heard of Chris Terrio and Derek Connolly they're their you know industry guys the movie stars Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Adam Driver, Carrie Fisher, posthumously from archive footage. Um, Mark Hamill. Okay, here's weird. Um, it says Luke Skywalker as Patrick Williams. What does that even mean? Uh, Patrick Williams is another character in the movie. Where? Uh, he, he voices a couple of aliens throughout the film. Oh, so uh, this is this like a SAG thing? They didn't want him doing multiple credits or something? Yeah, I think uh, yeah, yeah. He voices a couple of different aliens, uh, like fighter pilots in the movie. Okay, which is a good call. I mean, he's a great voice actor. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Anthony Daniels as C three PO, Naomi Aki as our new love interest for Finn. He can't seem to nail one down. Um, Damal Gleason as General Hux, Richard E. Grant as General Pride, which I really, you know what? I wish he was in the other two films. I hate that he was like a last minute add-in for this one because I'm like, God, I love that guy. He's He just oozes serious evil. Um, Lupita Nyong'o as Maz Kanata, back again. Um, Carrie Russell as new love interest for Poe, Zori Bliss. Kelly Marie Tran as Rose Tycho. Uh, Jonas Sotomayor as Chewbacca, which hey, he gets some he gets some acting chops later. He gets to do some emoting uh, in this movie, so good for him. Uh, Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian, Ian McDermott back as the big bad, and of course my MVP, my most valuable player of this entire thing, Shirley Henderson as Babu Freak. <laughs> we love Babu Freak. The right brain go boom. Anyway. So I actually went and I actually took some notes today. I actually like I didn't just wing it. I'm not I don't even have the movie playing right now. Right now I have Gamera, the real guardian of the universe, uh playing um in background. They're feeding gals and cows. Total side note. Um <laughs> but yeah, I actually wrote some notes. So um we're just gonna go beat by beat through the movie. Uh instead of because last time we, we did like every actor, we went through the actor stuff. We're gonna do a little different this time. So we start off the movie with uh, Kylo just as angry as he left him. Uh, he is now searching for the Emperor because his position is, I'm the big bad now. I'll need nobody. And uh, he's trying to find the Emperor to kill him. But when he meets the Emperor, um, the Emperor's like, yo, just follow me, buddy. I, I, I got what you need. You'll go ahead and be Darth Vader again instead of your own thing. Totally undoing what the last movie started. Freaking hate it. What are your thoughts? <laughs> um, well, I mean, he he tempts this young guy with this powerful army that uh, he's 
amassed since his absence. Um, and uh, I mean, I don't know. They they claim that they've been planning this the entire time, but I, I don't <laughs> I don't believe that. Um, yeah, no, but I mean, <laughs> in the Duel of the Fates script, it was gonna be. Um, not Darth Sidious, but the, the but Darth Sidious's master that Kylo Ren seeked out and killed, and took all of his cool stuff. So basically, they just changed that to the Emperor because the Emperor is more recognizable. And Ian McDermott's great in the movie. Uh, oh yeah, but, he does what he does, you know. But I mean, there's no like lead up to him being there, which stinks. I mean, if they had built up to it. Like if they clearly like hinted that something was brewing, um, not not stated outright in the past two films that the emperor was coming back, but maybe hinted at it, and then you kind of had that realization as a fan once the third movie comes out that that's what all this has been leading to. Um, I mean, there are little things that you can like, I guess, just hand wave, which we'll get to later. Uh, but I mean. Uh, I'm interested in what they set up in this movie, but there's, of course, isn't going to be another film. But this is whole cult that he's acquired after defying death, something his master could never do, um, is not really explored, but they don't have time to do it because it's the last film of the trilogy and then apparently the episodic films as well. Um, so... I don't know. I think Kylo Ren has has is on a mission to eventually try to betray the Emperor too. I I feel like that's more like he's just fooling himself and saying it because you, you know what I mean. Like it just I, I don't feel like he really proves that in the movie. I feel like he's just like he's he's totally cool with taking the fleet and doing that and. I like the idea of the duel of the fates where, yeah, no, he, he kills, you know, whichever Darth is going to be, whatever, um, whatever, whatever master he kills and takes it for himself. I like that idea of, do we like, and again, it's this whole thing of JJ having to follow the same story beats of the original trilogy. Um, you know, we got to have a redemption arc for a bad guy. And it's like, no, I kind of want him to embrace it and be this thing that has to be stopped. I don't know why this is such a hard take to find. And even more ridiculous is this gigantic ass fleet. <coughs> I, just all of a sudden, all these Star Destroyers come out and they're like, we all have Death Star cannons now. I'm like, okay. All right. It's kind of hokey, but all right, fine. Um, so, you know, they, they're all hidden on this planet called Exegol, which isn't on any star charts. And you have to use a wayfinder, which is so funny. Like they use they use a they use a Sith holocron as a model, basically, because that was the first thing I thought when I saw the movie for the first time. I'm like, oh, they're using holocrons finally in live action. And no, it's a wayfinder. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Co-opt all the other shit if you must, I guess. Yeah, I guess this uh, this new planet or this unknown planet is a is an ancient Sith planet. At least that's what I inferred. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it again, it's it's another one of those introducing a MacGuffin to kind of you know push the plot forward. 
Because, you know, you got to find a wayfinder in order to find the planet. You got to find the planet in order to find the emperor. Got to find the emperor. Got to stop the the fleet that's going to kill everybody. The last order, as it were. Um, so that's the setup for the start of our movie. We got Finn and Poe, uh, which my autocorrect kept changing to Flynn. And, um, Finn and Poe are two Han Solos, <laughs> wannabes. And... Um, they get the information. We're, we're doing the whole Death Star plans all over again. But meanwhile, all it is is just the message that leads to the most infamous line of dialogue in a Star Wars movie next to sand. It gets everywhere. Um, and they start doing light speed skipping, which is I thought it was nifty. Um, you know, they, they, I, I know it's like an opportunity to just kind of show some different Star Wars worlds and maybe like like for some odd reason, this movie wanted to show off Bespin. A couple times, I was like, "Oh, cool, Bespin, bye, <laughs> see ya, nice knowing ya." Um, yeah, it shows up again later on, so that was kind of fun. Um, and uh, you know, they they the one thing I will say about this movie, <coughs> Ron, though, is that although there's a line of dialogue we're gonna get to, um, I think the dialogue in this movie is really snappy. Like, especially amongst the heroes. Yeah, and that's another thing I like about the movie, too, is that all the heroes are together for this final adventure. You know, you got Ray, Poe, and Finn pretty much, you know, on this adventure together for most of the movie, so you get to see a lot of interaction between the three of them. Yeah, uh, and they and they, they, they do well, and I, I don't know, I mean, I've never read the actual script for this movie, so I don't know how much of that dialogue was there or polished up on set or just ad-lib, but um, they, they are firing. I, w- I will give this movie that much credit. Between the three of them, their, their dialogue is definitely whip-smart, and Anthony Daniels uh, as C-3PO. Um, his, his dialogue is incredibly funny um throughout the movie um but we will get the 3po's character here in a bit but i just i do love their dialogue now you've got ray training which i do love that imagery of her floating in the air with the rocks and then she's able to actually like balance herself and land gracefully um i know it angers so many fanboys to see a person be so powerful and it to be a woman but um i dig it and I think what was really cool about the training exercise is they still do the whole um, Ray uh, Kylo connection. And as Kylo keeps reaching out to her with the force, she starts doing worse on her training because her focus is totally gone. Um, I don't think I really, I mean, I know, I know it was there, but I don't think I appreciate it as much as I did this time around watching it, seeing that they still kind of, you know, there, there's definitely some holdovers from the last Jedi in this movie. There's definitely some moments. J.J. didn't completely just trash the movie before him. He kind of did, but he didn't completely do it. Um, so that, that was kind of interesting. But I will say this. And I, and I said this before with you. I really wish they'd have started off with Leia being dead instead of the forced edited dialogue and stilted CG model with her face slapped on it or archival footage or whatever the hell they call it. Um, it just feels weird. It just feels weird. Like you can, you can already tell like that, that, you know, when, when she's like Ray, you know, that's just line of dialogue from previous movie just chopped in there, you know? 
Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's an impossible situation. Um, but I mean, her daughter was on set, so I I assume that they made the best of what they could with the family's wishes. So I mean, it's ultimately up to them, not up to the fans. I know it just it just really comes off as just forced. I I and, like the idea of Leia training Ray though. Like I like I I love the idea of Jedi Leia too, and we'll get to that more later once yeah. that scene comes I, up. I like it. I just wish she was around for it. And since she wasn't, I wish they'd have been like, okay, we need to kind of change that up a bit. That's just that's just me personally. I don't know. But hey, did you um I don't know if you noticed, but because we had this we had this talk last time about whether or not the books were the books were saved and the Jedi books are there. So Luke's books were saved. Yeah. Um because they are used there. Um so basically, uh, we are now at the point where uh, Poe and um, Finn are back at their base. They meet up with Ray, and they have an important announcement from the knowledge that they got from the, the one uh, Resistance guy. Somehow, Palpatine has returned. <laughs> My God, this line of dialogue. <laughs> so infamous <laughs> well i mean look at it here i'll play devil devil's advocate look at it from like pose perspective who probably doesn't really have that much faith in the faith in the force and he's hearing that somebody that died 30 years ago is back it's like how do you wrap your head around that as like a normie you know well the the dude from Lost and and uh, Lord of the Rings pretty much said it he's like oh clone technology <laughs> like oh yeah that exists that's a thing um i th and the thing is i don't i i obviously don't blame the character it's just a line of dialogue that just comes off as just yeah we gotta just the bad guy's back deal with it um you know uh, and then of course you know they <laughs> that's when they they bring up the plot of uh you know we gotta find the thing to, to find the way to get to Exegol to get to the, you know, that's the whole introduction of here's what we're going to do team. Um, I did like, I did like seeing that, that guy from uh, lost. What is his name? I can't remember. Um, yeah, I think he played Pippin in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, where you at boy? Where you at? I don't know. JJ actually played Dio. Uh, it's not showing me on IMDb. You made their faces so tiny, I can barely tell who I'm looking at. Is it, or, um... I don't know. Either way, you, you, when you see him, you're like, oh, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy who drowned and lost. And he was trying to send a message to the friend. Um, and then, of course, the, the big pilot from, a, he's, he's from Alias and Heroes. I love that dude. Um... He, he's he's another one of those actors who shows up and everything. I'm like, oh, it's that guy, and I'll never remember his name. Um, but I, I do, I do, I do love him. I'll just he's he's my. I think it's, yeah, Greg Grunberg. I think that's the name of the guy. Yep, Greg Grunberg. He plays. Uh, what is his name? Snap Wexley is his name in Star Wars. Snap Wexley. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so he he is he's been through all three movies, so he's kind of our wedge Antilles of the of the series. 
uh, you know, fighter pilot who kind of survives all the dog battles when everybody else dies. Uh, anyway, um, so cool to see them. We're, we've got our plan. Um, apparently, for some odd reason, for Maz Kanata, they decided to do a puppet this time. And she is so stiff and like there's one scene where her head turns and it looks kind of natural but every time she talks and everything she looks very much worse than i'd rather have the regular yoda hand puppet from rise of, or, or uh, last jedi uh felt more lifelike than this thing um yeah i don't know what the deal was with that why they would change something that's been a cg character in the other two movies back to a standing puppet like that it is a very <clears throat> strange idea um they still never explain how she got Anakin's lightsaber. No, and you never get that. You never get. You never get. That. That's that's a secret for another time. We'll never find out, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so they all decide to go on their mission, and of course, we leave Rose behind because Star Wars fans didn't like Rose. So sorry, Rose. I think uh, she she should have been part of the full of the party. Like I feel like she should have been there. Yeah, and I I feel like they should have pushed the romance a little bit more you could introduce that other stormtrooper and create kind of a little tension i don't care but it just seems it's just so obvious that they gave her the brush because of the negative reaction and they didn't want negatives this this movie its biggest crime is wanting to please everybody um and make sure it doesn't piss off anyone it's it, it is very i mean i don't want to say i hate it i don't hate it I do hate that it is so obviously pandering. Like, of all the Star Wars, you know, I mean, you can look at all the Disney Plus shows and everything and be like, oh, they're just trying to appeal to nostalgia. This movie is is so badly bad. I just love for its, its, its hold on to nostalgia. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think after Solo failed at the box office, Disney panicked and they fired... Chris Trevorrow uh, and told JJ, Hey, here's our notes that we need for the new movie. Do it this way. Yeah. Um, it definitely feels like a movie. And you've, you've said this before the, 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 <laughs> the modern trilogy is the result of not, a, not really a plan as much as reactions, as much as like, we got to tell a story. Here's a couple, let's have a couple boardroom meetings and throw some shit together. Here you go. Oh, that didn't work. Well, let's react to that and make a new movie. Oh, that didn't work. Let's react to make a new movie. <laughs> like it's, it's, it doesn't feel ironclad. It, it definitely doesn't feel thought out like the other two trilogies. Right. Um, regardless, and, regardless of my opinions of the prequels. Right. They still fought out. And to give George Lucas credit, I mean, episodes one and two weren't universally loved when they came out. And I mean, I, I, the internet, granted, wasn't what it was today, but there was still that reaction. So he didn't like turn around and make Revenge of the Sith a big apology for the previous two movies. He still told the story he wanted to tell. Um, yeah. Whether you love the three movies or not or whatever, uh, give him credit for doing what he wanted to do, even if some of it wasn't all great. Yeah, it's it's definitely the result of a person having control of the property. No one, no one was telling George what to do. Um, whereas obviously with Disney and star Wars, it's been 
definitely boardroom led. Um, I've liked a lot of the stuff they put out. I didn't like Andor, but you know, everybody else loves it. So good for them. Uh, you know, uh, but, but it, yeah, it's, it's definitely got a different tone. And, and, and yeah, I, I defend the star Wars universe, the modern star Wars universe. I defend Kathleen Kennedy. I don't feel like, you know, people who blame Kathleen Kennedy solely for this stuff, they need to realize that she answers to other people. She answers to the mouse, you know, just like everybody else does. So that's, that's why this is different. And, you know, Kathleen is not the same as George. She may, he may have handed the keys to her, but we all know who really holds the keys. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the Disney boardroom. So, um, so yeah, they take off and then we cut to Kylo who has a monkey goblin fix his helmet. Cause we got to sell toys and the toys with just Kylo's face just don't really sell as well. Um, but we give it we give it a bitching uh, black light red uh, cracks across it like it looks like lava's holding it together. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> what did you think about the return of the mask? Well, I think it it kind of like, I mean, the whole hit, the emperor telling him you can be the new Vader and Kyle's like, well, I gotta have a mask if I'm gonna be the new the new Vader. So I think returning to that fantasy where he wanted to be his his um, grandfather um, was where that came from. But you're probably more right about the wanting to sell more toys thing. It's probably a combination of both. It just feels reductive in the character. Like I like the fact that Kylo in the last movie was like, "Let the past die," you know, kill kill everybody. I, I'm done trying to be Darth Vader. And then all of a sudden he goes right back to it. But I will say this. I did love the monkey goblin. I thought the monkey goblin looked awesome. He had his little Cyclops visor. And he's a little mechanic dude. And I'm like, that's great. Um, but I hate the mask. And he, he doesn't. The funny thing is, he ends up taking it off later anyway. <laughs> it doesn't last that long anyway. So it's just kind of pointless. Um, and speaking of pointless, the Knights of Ren. Oh, in the trailer, we saw the Knights of Ren. We're like, oh, we're finally going to see these group of badasses who are like, oh, this is this is Kylo's former Jedi friends. And they all kind of turned to a cult. This is going to be awesome to see these guys. Look at all their cool weapons. Yeah, they, um, they're they freaking worthless. <laughs> they weren't even in The Last Jedi. They just disappeared. Like, they were yeah. mentioned in The Force Awakens. Again, this is lack of planning. They were mentioned in The Force Awakens. Great setup, by the way. Uh, not mentioned at all in The Last Jedi, and then they're just kind of there in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, like, there's this this great shot. I love J.J. Loves flying a drone around people on a cliff face, um, which I'm going to tell him right now, you know, uh, Russell Mulcahy did that back in Highlander back in 86. You can give up that using that same trope, man. <coughs> all right? God damn it. <laughs> yeah, he keeps doing this thing where people just stand and pose. While a camera goes around on a cliff face, I'm like, okay, JJ, okay, okay, that's great. But yeah, the knights are here and they show up in a couple times in the movie, only to get their ass handed to them uh, at the end uh, in in very short order. And they never really confirm who or what they are, other than they serve Kylo. 
It's like, are they from Luke's old school? Are they from students of um, Snoke? See, I assume they were from the old school. Like, I, I just kind of, I, and, and that's the problem. And again, that's that's always the movie. That's always the thing with fandom and these types of movies. Um, our our never ending need to know why, where, how for characters that are introduced. And so, of course, your brain makes up what you know everybody calls headcanon. And of course, my headcanon is that Kylo has a group of thugs. It's kind of like it's kind of like you know in in the whole wizarding world when um, that that little Malfoy brat has a couple of stooges that work with him. Right. And they kind of graduate to Death Eaters, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of my vibe with that, is that they are former Jedi trainees. Yeah, Padawans. Um, Padawans, yeah. as they call them. But, you know, we got this uh, scene where they go to this planet to find uh, this this guy who happens to have a, sh- uh, a ship that looks like a ship from Ray's past. And they go to this festival and they run into a certain uh, familiar friend, uh, Mr. Colt 45 himself, Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian, who, of course, will help them along their way because apparently him and Luke had adventures together. And I do, I really do love that kind of stuff. I know we just talked about headcanon and it's frustrating for fans to figure out shit, but I do like the fact that Star Wars movies kind of act like you missed this thing, but it happened in a previous episode. So. I, I, I like the idea of Lando and Luke going like, hey, let's go on our own adventures. That'll be fun. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was, what, a 30-year gap between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens? So it's, it's not like nothing happened. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's a fun little thing there. Now, I, I'm, I want to say I met Billy D at a convention a few years prior to this. Like, maybe it was <laughs> two or three before the movie came out. And... Um, he was not in the greatest shape. Like he had a walker and he was slow. And I'm like, wait, he's going to be in this movie. Really? And if you notice that the only time Lando's character moves and does anything is when he has a helmet on. When it's helmet off, he is always sitting in a chair or leaning against something. I mean, the dude so, is in his what early, early to late eighties. Something like that. It's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, we 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 love having our characters come back, but the passage of time is very cruel, and it is it's it's kind of unfortunate that the cynical person in me it's so obviously that's not him when he's in costume. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean they don't they don't ever have him do anything crazy like no, I don't know. But but he literally like the man can barely move anymore. And so it's, it's kind of like, get you in the costume, old man. We got to film this thing. <laughs> That's why I like the idea of Solo and having younger versions of them. So I'm like, we, we can do more movies with Lando. But then again, everybody hated Solo. So I ain't getting that. Um, there's a speeder chase uh, in, clu- involving stormtroopers that have jetpacks. Jet they fly now. They fly now. They fly now. Uh, and I, I did think about it. I'm like, you know, it's kind of weird that the clone army really didn't have jetpack usage and stormtroopers especially didn't have jetpack usage. They did in the video games. <laughs> that doesn't count. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dash Rendart sucks. Um, <laughs> um, 
but anyway, it's a it's a fun little chase scene. Um, everybody's you know, like I said, quipping along. The dialogue, like I said, is 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 really fun and enjoyable. But then they wreck and they they land obviously into a bit of quicksand and here comes a frustrating part of like when you're making a movie by committee and you have the best laid intentions you have plans finn turns to ray he's like something i needed to tell you and then he gets slaughtered by sam and the running gag throughout the movie is poe is jealous that there's a secret that he wants to share with that finn wants to share with ray and he still never says it. The entire movie, you never hear what Finn was going to tell Ray. This is why Rose should have been part of the group. So that way there was, I don't know, I feel like he should have been over Ray at this point. Um, like I think I mentioned the past two reviews we did, I feel like Ray is kind of like the um, first crush, if you will. Right. And then Rose is like the forever wife or whatever. Not that Ray can't be somebody else's forever wife or whatever, but. Yeah, <clears throat> I I just think it's I just think it's annoying that it's like they're they had lines they had things they were gonna do just kind of like Maz with the lightsaber, like there's these things you plant and then you don't work on bringing it to fruition, and it's super frustrating, and it is one of those things that, like, fans will overanalyze things to the nth degree. Movies are productions made by normal human beings. And everybody on set, the writers, producers, all that deal, they are not walking index indexes of everything. You even even people who are continuity checkers sometimes let stuff slip. Or for example, you can be a continuity checker and your director could be Sam Raimi and your continuity director come up and you go, Hey, um, Ash has blood in all different places than what he did in the last <laughs> scene. I checked. And Sam's like, Dad, I don't care. And then and then he forgets to put her in the end credits. And so she runs crying up to him going, you forgot me in the credits. You harassed me the entire movie. And Sam feels like a whole shit about it. Um, <laughs> so who knows? Maybe the continuity, you know, people in the Star Wars office, like, fuck it. I, I don't care anymore. <laughs> you, guys won't, you change the script on me every two seconds. I don't care. I'm done. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they get stuck in a cavern and they meet a giant worm. And again, there's more snappy dialogue from C-3PO. God, I love it. I, I do feel like this is Anthony Daniels' best performance of 3PO um, with the dialogue. <clears throat> I don't know if he was the man in the suit for this one. I know he had done the man in the suit for Force Awakens. I wasn't sure if he kept going or not. From what I understood, he was still the guy in the suit for the remaining three movies. Excellent. I mean, I mean... Again, I met Billy D and he was with a walker. I ran in, I bumped into Anthony Daniels like physically at a convention and he's walking around. He's like, oh my, I'm sorry. I'm like, <laughs> 3PO just apologized to me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I, between that and Candyman spooking uh, my friend Terry, I think those are my two favorite celebrity uh, run-ins. Although you could also pick Robert Picardo in the bathroom looking at me terrified because he thinks I'm going to have a fan moment with him. That's, that's that's also a good one you know <laughs> i didn't i didn't approach robert Ricardo in the bathroom although i did want to be like i love you in gremlins too by the way <laughs> he's like not star trek voyager i'm like no not star trek voyager <laughs> no it's the part where the girl gremlin tried to rape you <laughs> oh jesus 
Our so anyway, Ray, Ray tries to heal this this giant worm, or doesn't try, she succeeds. She does succeed, and they show off a power that's never been seen before. And I saw I saw a joke, uh, someone did a little animated cartoon where Anakin, like Force Ghost Anakin sees this and like turns to like Obi-Wan's like, did you know about this? Did, did you know you could force heal? Like maybe I could have saved Padme, or maybe you could have saved me after you like, you know, or whatever, if I got my arm chopped off, you could have fixed all that? Does anyone did anyone know this? <laughs> I think when writing uh, a story as vast and and you know crazy as Star Wars, your rules kind of run fast and loose with certain things. Like yeah, yeah. obviously you got to use like old text, got to look rusty, it's got to be even though we're doing fast and light stuff, holograms have to look crappy. You know, you, you have these visual cues and stuff like that. But when it comes to like mystical magic space wizards, you can make new rules, you know. Um, Star Wars Rebels deals with time travel. Uh, and that's something that hadn't been seen in the movies. So it, it is, you know, it is something to introduce a new thing. It's not a big deal. I did see a lot of people, you know, annoyed with this one as well. And I'm like, it's, it's all about the rigidity of the fandom, not wanting to expect, accept new stuff. And I'm like, you, you got you to gotta let, it, let it grow a little bit. Yeah, right? I mean... If they didn't do new stuff with the Force, it'd be like if Dragon Ball Z just was like, oh, we're not going to do Super Saiyan 2, 3, 4, and whatever. We're just going to stop at Super Saiyan 1. Uh, and then there's no progression for the character's powers. I, 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 my thing is that I... <clears throat> maybe it was the, 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 this ability to Force Heal was a forbidden thing by the Jedi Order, so they just... Um, didn't teach it in school and that's why obi-wan anakin didn't know it um yeah and i think a lost art a forbidden art basically right and ray maybe found out about it through the books yeah maybe or she just kind of felt it that's it's one of the things you see with her character and we'll get to the revelation of why she does this is that like yeah she is probably the most powerful jedi around and there's a reason because of that. There's there is a genetic familial reason why she has untapped power, basically, um, more so than any other Jedi at this point. Um, but to the Padme point, I think that there were also character deaths that happened that wouldn't have been helped by force healing. I think she was going to die of a broken heart, regardless. <laughs> My favorite joke on Robot Chicken with Dr. Ball. Lost the will to live? <laughs> Where the hell did you learn your medical degree? <laughs> but uh, speaking of character death, we, uh, we, we get to see the Knights of Ren take uh, Chewie into custody. We don't see the battle. We don't see the fight or anything. But, you know, we're just going to go ahead and do that. And uh, Finn and... Uh, or not Finn... Ray and Kylo have a, have a battle. I will say this movie throws in a lot of lightsaber battles. There is a lot of Jedi uh, Sith battles in this movie. Um, it's where the famous like the trailer clip of her jumping and slicing the Tie Fighter as it's coming at her. Uh, you know that was our big. Uh, I can't remember. I think that was the teaser trailer. Yes, it was. Her, her just kind of concentrating and then doing the backflip. Uh, really cool scene. I really dug it, but. As she's fighting, um, Finn 
yells out to her that they've got Chewie and he's on a troop carrier. And she she does, which is so funny, we just talked about in the last two uh, chapters that um, using the force to hold a whole ship, that's video game crap. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a that's, big ship. <laughs> it wasn't a big ship. Oh, okay. We're making excuses now. Um, <laughs> and it looked really hard. Like, they were both struggling. <laughs> I Well, what I thought funny was, like, in the last movie, they were struggling over a lightsaber. Now they got a whole ship they're trying to... <laughs> Yeah, okay. but I do like the idea of her losing control and evidently accidentally killing one of her friends. I think that shows like more flaws for Ray, which is what people were asking for, and they conveniently seem to forget that oh, she does show flaws throughout the three right. films. And I think this is the big one is being afraid of how much raw power she has, which is an interesting uh point to take because I mean the last people that had this sort of raw power was Darth Vader and Darth Sidious. Yeah. Um, I didn't really read up on any spoilers when I went in to see the movie, um, which spoiler alert for anybody listening to this right now for a movie that's been out for four years. Um, she accidentally blows up Chewie. Uh, I sat there and I actually mouthed out. I, I actually visibly said no. Um, I've only done that a couple times in movies. Um, the first time was when uh, Jean Grey killed Professor Xavier in X3. I was like, no! Because <laughs> I was just like, how dare you? Um, and then they did this with Chewie, and I was just like, you know, are we going to kill off all our legacy characters? Are all the legacy characters going to die? Is that, is that the deal? Uh, however, my, um, my, my notes here, my notes here say, Chewie, no, dot, dot, dot. Oh, wait, he's fine. Because literally, like, two minutes later, you realize there was another troop carrier. Chewie was on it, and he made it to the, the Star Destroyer. Uh, he is a captive of the uh, First Order. Um, so he's not dead. Yay! Our heroes yeah. don't know this. Yeah, but Ray, Ray doesn't know that, and she feels guilty as hell. Which is funny, because they do this thing where Force users conveniently can, like, tell when people are alive, but then sometimes forget if they well, think they're dead. <laughs> they've done that with like other force users, not necessarily. That that that's why I said they and I said multiple. I didn't say her. I didn't specifically <laughs> single this out. I think the only time that it wasn't a non-force user was between Am I remembering right that Leia felt when Han died in Force Awakens? I think there was a scene of her kind of clutching her chest a little bit. I know but... when Ray met up with her, she knew. Right, like, but yeah, I know. So, I mean, you could also chalk that up to well, one, they were married, so there was that connection that she had with him, or two, yeah. maybe she felt it through her son. Yeah, um, but yeah, you know, Chewie's fine. Um, now they now that Chewie had the dagger that was going to lead them to the 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 wayfinder to find the way to the Emperor's planet. <laughs> And the only other person who who has that information is 3PO. Um, but 3PO can't because the new Re the the old Republic said, "Hey, Sith language is a no-no." So all all translator droids can translate it, but they cannot um, they cannot give out the information. Seems weird, but okay. Um, probably would have been easier for them to say all droids will no longer be able to translate Sith. <laughs> probably would have been a safer thing than 
hey, the only way we can get that information is to crack 3PO's head like an egg. Um, but they do know that there's someone on a planet who can help out, uh, get to, get to 3PO's, uh, brain, his, his knowledge. We're also introduced a new little droid with a new little toy to sell. That's great. We got a new little toy to sell. Uh, last, last time it was BB-9 or BB-9E. Um, this time it's Dio. Um, Dio is an adorable little conehead droid on a wheel. He seems completely worthless to me. Um, his yeah. whole thing is that he was abused by his former master, the dead guy who might have been connected to Ray's parents. <laughs> I, I don't know. You tell me. Was Dio anything other than we need a new toy to sell? Nope. Okay. <laughs> We're in agreement there. Yeah. Yeah. He is worthless. But, I mean, he's cute. He's just worthless. Uh <clears throat> Also, he's the first droid we know to suffer abuse and a PTSD. Um, he's like, no, 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 thank you. No, thank you. No touch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we go to Kajimi and we find out that Poe was a freaking drug dealer <laughs> before he became a hero. Um, and we run into his old girlfriend, uh, Felicity. Uh, which I think was J.J. Abrams' first TV show. So there's connection there. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie Russell. Um, I like Kajimi. Uh, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like it's snowing, but not like snow is always falling, but I never really see it on the ground. Um, it's full of desperate aliens and everything seems dark. And, and uh, of course, we also have, like I said, our MVP, Babu Freak. He hangs out here. Um, and like we said, uh, he, he knows how to get the information from the droid, but it's gonna, it's gonna erase 3PO's memories. And it's funny because when they say this and 3PO's like, Oh no, what are we doing? No, I don't want to do that. And Finn goes, well, can't we just have R2? Like, get, doesn't R2 back up your memory? Can't he just, you know, redownload a former copy of you and you'll be fine. <clears throat> and 3 is like, oh, that droid, he can't help. And so you like they're already laying it out. So they um they 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 erase his brain. He he does that whole I want to see my friends one last time. And I mean he also like kinda agrees to it. Like he says, wait, so if if, if I don't do this, everything that everything will be for nothing. And he's not talking about just these three movies he's talking about the original trilogy and the prequels because he's he was there for all of it so he yeah and 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 it is a, i mean that does sound like you know a very important thing to talk like you know he's, he's talking about sacrifice and trying to save his friends and the things he would do and that is used in the trailer to make people think that 3po dies and they erase his memory and his eyes turn red and he's got this cool like imperial uh you know a voice or text to voice speech uh vocals and he gives out the information of basically the death star parts of the death star landed on one of the moons of endor and that's where we'll find the uh wayfinder that will lead to Exgal, that will lead to the emperor yada 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 um so basically you kind of feel like he's going to be gone 
So I wrote my notes. C-3PO. No. Oh, wait. He's fine. (laughs) Because later on, R2-D2 uploads the version of him. And literally, it's just it's 3PO right before they left on this mission. That's all he lost. (laughs) Yeah. What a waste of of a sacrifice play. Like, you had some good story, had some good drama there, and you killed it. Um. They, uh, we learn a little bit more about the First Order abducting kids on Kajimi and other planets. They do a little dialogue there. Um, Poe and his, his ex-girlfriend, they talk about how it's gotten horrible, but she's found a way off the planet uh, with a little passkey, which you know, of course, is going to be a plot point to something later, obviously. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of their plot points in this movie are really like, like they they've lit off a signal flare to show you what's going to happen later on. <laughs> like pay attention, this is going to be important later. Um, Ray has another one of those weird force uh, switcheroo things, like she did in the Last Jedi with uh, Kylo, and that's when he starts to let her realize that she always knew who she was. As she's a Palpatine. Dun, dun, dun. She's special after all. She's so special, she's a bad gal. Um, hate it, but whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the answer to the fans saying, well, why is she so damn powerful? I know. I and, know. <laughs> I mean, she had dark side tendencies in some of the other films. Like, I mean, when she does that meditation with Luke and he's like, you went straight to the dark. Um, again, if they had done more to set this up, it wouldn't have been just so random, but it was clear that Ryan Johnson wanted to be like, well, you, you're not related to anybody. You have to make your own path. Yeah. It's, it is, it is one of those things like, in Star Wars, it feels like, especially in Skywalker Saga, that one orphan boy, he's super special, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, oh, does it always have to be that they're the son of this and whatever, and they're all related? You know, this this big, giant galaxy, but yet somehow the same, like, three people keep interacting for, like, hundreds of years. Yeah. <laughs> Generations. Like, I mean, on. I do also like the message that you don't have to be defined by who your ancestors are. And I think Luke went through a similar journey as well. Cause I mean, his dad was freaking Darth Vader. Right. Um, he had to become, he, he didn't want to fall in dad's footsteps, even though dad wanted him to. Right. Like, I mean, should people be blamed for the, the sins of their uh, ancestors? And I, I would say definitely not uh, right. that they can define their own purpose. And I think that's um, a good, a pretty good plot line. It's just, it wasn't set up well. Or at all. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just there's like a little line earlier where one of the festival children like is talking to Ray and they're like, What's your last name? And she's like, I don't have a last name. I don't have a family. And 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 it's it's one of those things where it's like, is the message we're trying to send here is that you're worthless if you don't have a big family line, if you don't have that identity from something in your past, you can't forge your own identity. Because I feel like that's a message they're sending there at that point. I'm kind of like, let Ray be Ray, but whatever. I mean, she ends up getting uh, adopted anyway. I mean, you could. I know. It's just, 
I just I just kind of wanted I wanted to follow through point of what was established in the previous movie. Damn it! Yeah, no, I <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, I kind of sit in both sides where I agree that uh, it could have worked if it had been set up a different way or at all. Um, right. But again, it's it's clear that they didn't plan out Ray's lineage from the beginning. That it was just left as a mystery, and it's like, oh, well, the next director can do whatever he wants with it, and oh shit, people didn't like that. We got a retcon that. Yeah, it it definitely feels that way, and like you said, I know people, I know that the you know the producers and everything have said like, oh no no, we had plans like this all along. The hell you did. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. You did not. Um. So yeah, like she has, you know, she starts to have this revelation with Kylo. Um, at the same time, you know, they, they all got, they got to go save. They realize Chewie's alive. They got to go save him. They use that pass key that Poe's uh, ex-girlfriend was going to use to get away. They slip on board the ship. <clears throat> um, and I think, I think actually Ray doesn't get the full revelation until they do get on the ship. Because um, I think like Kylo's now on the planet. It's, it's this wishy-washy thing with the force. Where they can switch places, but they do realize that they're a, they are a dyad in the Force. Yep. Um, basically, two halves of a coin, uh, which is why they can kind of connect from billions of you know light years away. Well, Snoke um, created that connection them. between the two of them, and and never stated whether or not just because he died uh, meant that the the connection was broken. Well. I feel like this is more of a retcon. I feel like this is more of just, it really wasn't Snoke after all. It was the Emperor, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but the revelation is fully revealed in this thing. They save Chewie. They get caught. And they're about to get executed, Poe, Finn, and Chewie, when General Hux dun, 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 turns out to be the spy that let them know the Emperor. He's, you know, he's helping them out. And I love this because I'm like, why would a piece of shit like Hux help out the rebellion, help out the resistance, rebellion, whatever the hell it wants to call itself now? And I love that he just says the line. He's like, I don't want to help you. I just want Kylo Ren to lose. I mean, <laughs> what a petty little bitch to the very end. He does. <laughs> I mean, that that's set up clearly in the past two movies that he hates Kylo. I know. It's just it's just so funny how like. Like, and Star Wars and Harry Potter have very similar, like, things with their bad guys. Their bad guys have very low motivational origins. They're just bad for bad's sake. You know? Like, evil wizards, they hate humans. Why? They're just racist. <laughs> They're just classes. <laughs> They're just class warfare. They're just shitbirds. They, like, nobody hurt them when they were a child. They weren't created by industrial waste or someone screwed them over. They're just fucking evil and that's kind of the same with sith the sith are a good lot of like some of them are just like yeah it's only bad yeah yeah because i'm bad i just have to kill indiscriminately and i'll be okay you know let the past die um but yeah like hux is just like yeah i just i i, I hope you guys die too i really i mean i kind of just want to take over the fleet and destroy you as well but man eh, whatever um God, I have so many now. I have like a whole other page. Uh, anyways, they, um, you know, they do escape. Uh, Ray realizes she's a Palpatine. 
she uh, jumps. They do they do a space jump, and unlike uh, unlike Guardians of the Galaxy, where you when you leave your space field, you blow up like a balloon, or you freeze like a popsicle. Ray is fine um, when she gets on board the shuttle. Had had they been a little bit further apart, though, maybe she would have turned into a little ice princess. <laughs> um, they take off. Uh, and Hux, of course, tries telling the new guy, um, the new the new general, um, Richard E. Grant, uh, that he was, you know, he's like, oh, they shot me and took, you know, they, they overwhelmed me. And Richard E. Grant's like, oh, okay, well, inform, uh, inform, uh, what the hell is the name of the, 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 the... Snoke's title? Damn it. <laughs> um. Supreme Leader. Supreme Leader. Supreme Leader. Why did, why did I forget? Oh, yeah, because it's such a generic title. Uh, Supreme Leader that I found the spy he shoots Hux. I was like, oh, I couldn't have I love this character. Why the hell was he not in the previous two movies? I don't know. His name is General Pride. And I'm like, <laughs> that's kind of like, you know, telling. Um, I, yeah, there's a great scene where he's talking to the Emperor. He's like, I served you in the last war and I'll serve you in this one. I'm like, yeah, he's really all about it. He's like, man. I miss my little cough drops on my uh, chest. Can I get my old badges back? <laughs> I mean, he's he's pretty old, so I I guess I buy that he would have been with the Empire thirty years ago. Yeah, it's just it's just it's another it's like Max von Sydow in Force Awakens. I'm like, where the frick were you? <laughs> I love you as a character, but you're like you're only here for like this one movie for like two minutes. Damn it. it, it so you know, they kill him. Cut to the heroes. They've made it to the moon on end. Not not the moon, not my Ewok moon, a wish, but a different moon around Endor, um, where there's like a giant ocean across the plain, and there's the wreckage of the Death Star. Look at that nostalgia there. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a cool visual. I just hate cool what they visual. do with it. <laughs> What they do with it is the stupidest thing. So Ray pulls out the dagger and it has a little compass thingamajigger she pulls out and she holds it up against the skyline of the Death Star and it lines up with the wreckage and there's a little red tip on the end of the, the, the little compass part of the dagger trident, whatever. And that's where the Wayfinder will be. So you're telling me that for some weird reason, there was a wayfinder on this Death Star that led to this planet for Palps to make this thing before it blew up in Return of the Jedi. But then someone also made a dagger after the wreckage of the Death Star landed on this moon of Endor that it would perfectly, uh, you know, pull out this thing and line up with the wreckage to tell you where the wayfinder is. And then they hid the dagger, and then someone had to go find the dagger to give it back. You know, and also the whole thing with Ray's parentage, blah blah blah, to get back to the Emperor. What the hell? <laughs> I could have. I thought of a better way to handle that. Granted, it's not perfect. In like a minute after I saw that, because I had forgotten about the, the fact that, that they stood in the perfect spot to like line the dagger up with the Death Star, and I was like, <laughs> why? Why would they do that? That is so dumb. I mean, they they could have what they could have done and i thought of it in like 30 seconds is has have like a laser come out of the the, the dagger and it points and it goes to where the like a the pro, thing, 
there's a proximity sensor in the dagger so that when they're near the wreckage, it would activate. Yes. I mean, granted, it's not great, but it's better than what they did. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's way better. And that's it's like, how, how, it would have cost them nothing. I mean, they're fucking Disney. They could have made the laser effect come out of the dagger. Yeah. Yeah. No, they just had the silly prop that line. I'm like, someone thought, someone watched National Treasure and said, you know what we need to do? We need to rip off some National Treasure shit. We own it. Come on. Um, so, yeah, on this planet of Endor, there is a group of First Order troopers. Not stormtroopers, First Order troopers. So I guess the First Orders hang around this planet a couple times, too. There was a battle or something, and these these First Order troopers did the Finn thing where they're like, screw this, I ain't killing innocent civilians, and they landed here or whatever. Which I'm glad so they did more with that. <laughs> they're like a tribe of lost children, and we, we meet... Our our newest romance for Finn, um, the hell's her name? Naomi Aki plays Jana. I have um, a question about her, but it's first scene she's in at the very near the very end of the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. We'll get to that. Um. So Ray, you know, she tells Ray, "Hey, we can't go over there because of the freaking ocean going crazy. We have to wait till the mornings." Ray's like, "Screw that!" Steals a boat. And gets onto this thing, and you can see all the wreckage and stuff. And it, there's a great scene that I like. I love it because um, John Williams he puts in the um, the Imperial March theme, but it's the Darth Vader dying at Return of the Jedi. Uh, the slow, uh, you know, very slow acoustic style version, or whatever you want to call it. Where it's, it's just like maybe like one woodwind instrument or something. And yeah. It just, it, it sends chills when I watch it today. I'm like, okay, now that's a scene. I'm, uh, I mean, I love the the idea of there being uh, a scene on the wreckage of a Death Star. I think it's, it's a, a visually amazing. And it kind of feels like those old Star Wars video games where you have like maps that you have like little battles on with your friends. Uh, mm -hmm. And like, that feels like it would have been one of those maps, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that would be a pretty cool battlefield one um, for sure. Uh, they, it, it, it's, it's a really cool scene. And of course it gets broken up by, there's a special compartment side room um, that Palps had some Sith artifacts in there and the Wayfinder, of course. And you get to see, uh, Ray have her next um, force uh, vision of an evil version of her uh, telling her to just let go. And she has a cool uh, dual lightsaber that folds, um, which I remember people speculating the hell out of this scene when it when the trailer came out and showed it. You know, you get a couple people like, oh, my God, does Ray go evil? What's going on there? Is there a clone of her? And it's like it's just the force ghost. I that's another thing about I, I wanted to bring up is I wish by this point Ray would have had her own lightsaber throughout this entire movie rather than using Anakin's lightsaber. You, um, you mean the one that blew up the in the previous movie? Yeah, and I mean <laughs> I guess those things can be repaired. Like obviously she fixed it, but if you're gonna go through that all that trouble, I feel like it should have been like, you know, Luke had his own lightsaber in Return of the Jedi. Ray, I mean, granted she has her own lightsaber by the end but she should have had that thing the whole time and it would have been cool to finally see a hero 
with a double blade lightsaber because she has the staff that she used in the force awakens. So clearly she's proficient yep. with that sort of weapon. She still has that staff even through this point. So it, yeah, that, that would have been way more poetic. I don't know how we're, we're just two schmucks who put out books and comics and artwork every once in a while to like, you know, I like, I'm no, I'm no accredited screenwriter signed on with the WGA or a SAG actor or a, a director's guild or any of that stuff. All my stuff is small potatoes. How is it two of us can come up with a way more poignant thing <laughs> than those three writers, the boardroom, the producers, the director, the whole spiel? Yeah, I mean, it would have made total sense for her to take her staff and turn it into a lightsaber. Yeah, it's, I mean, especially we've already had in Star Wars Rebels, um, with Ezra using a blaster lightsaber, like, you know, making it his own, like that kind of thing. Granted, he does turn around and just get a regular one, but it still was very fresh and different. It's like, okay, there's a little bit of him. That's his style, you know? And there's, there's actually like um, concept art for Duel of the Fates where she does have a double blade lightsaber set. So they originally were going to go with that apparently, and they decided to change their mind for some reason. I would love... I, I know Disney won't do this because they're they're not um, they're not Warner Brothers Max or whatever where they're like let's put out a whole cut of a movie that's completely different from the one we came out before and is not canon but sure <laughs> I would love for them to be like we're gonna do a whole another version of Episode Nine and I mean, just figure out what you want to do with it <laughs> I mean even if they did it just animated like if the actors didn't want to come back and shoot the movie and probably they've done probably, voices so yeah they're, they're probably cheaper yeah. I mean. You're talking about, you said that there was time travel and multiverse thing in Rebels, which I wasn't aware of, but if they have that, they could clearly do Duel of the Fates in some fashion. And even with that, they could do Splinter of the Mind's Eye too, which was the original Star Wars sequel had Star Wars not made a shit ton of money. Yeah, I I never read that book as a kid, but I remember my brother-in-law... in his trailer, really, he had like a whole room of nerdy stuff. And I remember Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I was always fascinated by it, but it's I, weird. I'm just borrowing off him to read it. But I think the strangest thing is you know where the characters end up. So it's strange to see Luke and Leia in a love scene together. But, <laughs> but I mean, obviously, in that continuity, they're not brother and sister. And I don't think they were intended to be. I think that was the one thing Lucas didn't plan on in the original trilogy was Leia being Darth Vader's daughter yeah um i I mean uh you know we did talk about george planning a lot of stuff but there's also times where george definitely talked out of his ass (laughs) so you know um lava planet stuff like like i said i I had like a teen beat magazine back in the 80s where he talked about the lava planet and it's like okay sure you may have had an idea but you didn't have the full prequel series in your head you know not till much later so but um so, you know, she finds the wayfinder. She gets out. Oh, of course, Kylo's there. Kylo, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, he's ready to fight her again because he thinks the Emperor wants her dead. When, in fact, the Emperor all along knows that she'll be fine and wants her alive. I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, they start fighting, and it's, it's kind of clear that um, Kylo's actually besting her. Like, she is just a- acting out in anger so much that she is kind of getting her ass handed to her yeah 
And this is the part where they're like, well, we can finally kill off Princess Leia because Princess Leia does the um, Hail Mary pass of doing a, a lesser version of what her brother did in the last movie where she is projecting herself basically across the galaxy to send a message, you know, to, to Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. Um, and uh, he, he stops for a second before he gets ready to kill, kill Ray. And just basically his mom die, dying uh, shakes him out of his stupor, kind of like he kind of destroys Kylo Ren personality-wise. I mean, she almost kind of did it in Last Jedi, too, when he decides not to fire onto her ship. Like, no, I, I can't cross that line. Right. So this is just kind of an amplification of that. And um, he drops his saber, which gives Ray the opportunity to grab the saber and straight up try to murder his ass. Um, which, again, like we said, there's all these little hints throughout the movies that she's not the nicest person. She tries. But she she's kind of more Anakin than Anakin. <laughs> like, well, there's... it it reminds me of like the scene in Return of the Jedi when Luke gets the best of Vader and he knocks Vader down and just like starts beating the hell out of him and chops his hand off and then stops right before killing him and being like, "Whoa, I yeah. have that in me. That's not good." Yeah, it's definitely a moment like that because um, she does horrifically realize what she just did. Um, and uses the old force trick to heal him. I like the whole fight scene, by the way. I think the with the water coming over the Death Star, it's visually yeah. fantastic. It's a, it's probably the, my favorite lightsaber fight scene in the sequel trilogy because we didn't I, have a lot of those. I will say this: I feel I still feel the Rise of Jedi, the throne room scene, is a much more fun and interesting battle. But this is definitely an emotional battle. Right. Um, with the water and everything, and they're just they're getting s just destroyed by these ocean waves. It's it's a clumsy battle. It is not a proficient battle. It's a very clumsy battle, but um, emotionally, it is it is pretty good. And and the ending, of course, is a real kind of stunner. The way she did that. And how how do you feel about the they portraying Leia's death this way? Um, I still stand by my whole like it's creepy doing the archival footage and stuff, but at the same time, it's, it's fine. Even though it is a, again, like I said, more of a callback to the last movie of what Luke did and what Leia tried to do to stop him the last time around a little bit of column A, column B thrown in there. Um, but since their direction was to have Leia in the movie, it's, it fits. It's fine. Um, what is what is kind of bizarre? I, I, actually, there's something I want to say that that we'll wait till the the end. Because um, like her body, like they just cover her up in a sheet. She's just kind of lying there for the rest of the film. Um, we do we do get back to that body. R two D two being sad. I was like, oh, R two sad. Um, and, and, and oh yeah, Ray uses the force healing to to save uh, to save Ben. Um, actually, we can we can still call him Kylo at this point, but um, he doesn't become takes, Ben until this very yeah, important yeah. scene is coming up. Yeah. Um, so she steals his ship and takes off. 
because she has decided that she is going to follow in Luke's footsteps. We cut to the rebel base, which what planet is that on? Is that supposed to be Yavin or is it some other? I don't, I, I actually don't remember. I don't know if they ever say. I don't think they say, but they get back to the, um, they get back to the base and Han or Han. Yeah. Uh, Finn <laughs> and Poe and, uh, yeah. Han Solo number one and Han Solo number two and, uh, 3PO and, and you know, the whole gang, Chewie, they go to talk, they go to rush to Leia and her, her Lieutenant is like, no, no, you, you can't. And they're like, we don't have time for this. And it's like, yeah, no, she's gone. And, um, our new guy, uh, Junas Suatama, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. The guy who plays Chewbacca. I feel bad. I feel so bad that this, this character has lost everyone. <laughs> I mean, his race was kind of wiped out by the, the clone troopers and the droid troopers, and then he was a slave. And then his yeah. best friend was killed by his pretty much nephew. <laughs> um, uh, and then, I don't know, I yeah. feel like... <laughs> I mean, really, all he has left is the new guys, uh, 3PO and R2-D2. <laughs> It's it's a sad affair, um, and he acted the hell out of it. He acted the hell out of it. You, as the camera's pulling away, you can see like he is on his knees, and Poe is trying to comfort him, and, and he just pushes Poe away. He's like, "Fuck off, man!" <laughs> um, and even later, uh, he is sitting there, just you know, remorseful as he has to get into action. Yeah. Um. So back to one of the moons vendor you've got uh our bo- our boy uh kylo has a moment that and, and and i've heard people debate about this i've heard people say there's no debate it's absolutely just the his hallucination or whatever yeah you, you get you get han showing up and he's having a conversation with han and everybody's like well is he a force ghost or is he a hallucination he's not a force ghost why do people think this is a force ghost <laughs> I, you know, because there's force ghosts in Star Wars. So they're like, well, well he's not blue. Talking, they're force ghosts. He's not glowing blue. He wasn't a Jedi. He believed in the force, but he didn't believe in the force. Um, he never trained to do anything. So, you know. Um, so Kylo literally has a full on conversation with Han touching him and everything and telling him that Kylo is dead. My son is back. Ben Solo. It's a touching moment, but it's also psychotic if you think about it. Because I'm like, I don't know about you, man. I, I've lost friends, and I've thought about them. And I, you know, I have my my friend Ryan Duman. He passed away several years ago. Huge Marvel fan. So every time I go to see the Marvel movie, late at night after the movie, I actually look up and I talk to him about it. I do this at every Marvel movie, but I don't envision Ryan sitting right next to me and like interacting with me, holding my hand or anything like that. (laughs) Like that's the thing about the visual medium of movies. It's like, how do you describe that idea of like, you know, he even says like, you're just memories in my head. He's like, yeah, Ben Solo's memories, you know? Yeah. It just, it just feels weird in a world full of force ghosts running around talking to, to Jedi to just have regular ghosts. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think that it's, it's just it's a visual way to show Kylo's interconflict rather than him. I mean, Adam Driver's a fantastic actor, so they could have totally just had him standing there and not say anything and just do all that with just his facial expressions. But, I mean, the scene between him and Ford is fantastic. It's probably one of my favorite scenes with Ford as Han Solo, even though he's really technically not the real character. It's what's also really good is that there's a huge callback to the first movie when um, Ben is talking to his dad. He's like, I don't know if I have the strength to do this. And that's literally what Kylo said to Han in Force Awakens. Right. And they even have the same camera cut to like the, the lightsaber in the hand. But then he turns and he throws it. And then, of course, he has that moment where he's he's trying to say, I love you. And Han says, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. It, like I said, it's a touching moment, but at the same time, it really is weird because it's literally this grown ass man having a full on conversation with a dead person who isn't there. Right. I mean, when you think about it within the context of the real world, it is strange, but it's yeah. movies. that are a visual medium. <laughs> Can you imagine some of them stormtrooper, ex stormtroopers, or first order troopers, or whatever, just hanging off the ocean line? Go, what is he doing? <laughs> Stand there. I mean, they're all terrified like of him anyway. I feel like him talking to himself isn't <laughs> something new. I mean, he was talking to Darth Vader's helmet. In yeah, the he's a weird movie. kid. <laughs> Adam Driver's a weird kid. Uh, <laughs> you ever see the dead don't die? He plays no, he plays a deputy in that, and he's bizarre in that as well. He's just always bizarre. <laughs> so, anyways, um, General Pride is now directly talking to the Emperor, so now he's in charge of everything. And they're they're they they have in the beginning of the movie got a message saying sixteen hours until I burn the galaxy. The final order is coming, and those who are not in with us are going to die. So. Basically, the captain gets a message from the emperor: uh, kill a planet that affects the traitor, like the the little the, the little scavenger. And so they destroyed uh, Jakimi or whatever the hell planet. Jakku? No, not Jakku. They did not destroy Jakku. Um, it's the planet that Babu Freak. Oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Zori was on, making you think that Babu Freak and Zori are dead. That is the third character deaths in this movie that they're going to undo in like two minutes. <laughs> I don't um, mind them undoing Chewbacca's death because it would have been hella dark if Ray had killed Chewbacca. Uh, well, yes, but they did it immediately. Like they killed Chewie and they realized that kids are going to be crying. So we got to reveal that Chewie's alive like literally in the next scene. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I agree that C-3PO's mind wipe should have been permanent and it would have made the sacrifice more meaningful. Yeah. yeah, like, like you know, it's just like, well, we killed we killed Luke in the last movie. We killed Han in the first movie. We're going to kill Leia. We're going to kill Leia. So, you know, they have these fake-out deaths throughout this movie that's so annoying. Um, but Star Destroyers now have Death Star cannons. Woohoo! And Poe and Finn 
they get promotions. They're now generals leading the army. They're, the whole resistance is now up to these two idiots. <laughs> Come on, I like their I like their characters, even though. <laughs> I mean, the the thing that always makes me laugh, like if you go to like Return of the Jedi or even Empire Strikes Back, there is a time jump between A New Hope to Empire Strikes Back. They're generals now in the army: General Skywalker, General Solo. So they've done some stuff. Is there a time jump between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker? Maybe. Maybe. But they were like captains in that movie. But after Leia dies, they're just kind of like, well, Poe's in charge. (laughs) Like, okay, cool. (laughs) I mean, he is the best pilot. I don't want to be in charge by myself. Finn, you're promoted too. (laughs) So they plot to take out, um, you know, the planet. Uh, meanwhile, cut to um, Ray. She's now back on, um, I can't remember whatever planet Luke was on. And we get to see Porgs again. Yay! I love my Porgs. So happy to see the Porgs come back. Um, but uh, she blows, she destroys Kylo's uh, uh, TIE fighter. I was like, damn, girl, you're disrespectful. <laughs> it wasn't even your ship. Um, and she goes to throw the lightsaber, and Luke Luke's Force Ghost catches it. Yep. And he's like, a Jedi's weapon is not something to be treated so lightly, you know, or so disrespectful. Which I think, I, what I think is funny, because, you know, the last two movies, you told me that Mark Hamill said he didn't like the direction he was going in, in The Last Jedi. But I, 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 swear I, I swear I tagged you in this video. There was another video where someone put out the full interview. Where Mark Hamill said at first, Last Jedi, he didn't understand where his character was and what was going on. But in retrospect, when he saw the whole movie, it all made sense and he liked where his character went. So that's the funny thing is like the full story is, is that Mark at first didn't like it, but then he realized what was going on. It's interesting how, you know, I'd never, I guess I didn't realize there was more of that interview because I'd seen that clip just used. Right. And it pisses me off when people do that. They don't, whether it's politicians or movie stuff, they just show like the clips that serve their narrative. And I'm like, God damn it. Now I look like an yeah. asshole. Yeah. I mean, cause I'd heard it for years too. And I was like, I don't know. I don't truly believe that. Cause Mark Hamill being the way he is, I can't see him being a person saying like, ah, I thought I was a piece of shit. But I mean, I, I was also trying to make the point that he's an incredible actor because, and I, I still stand by that, that comment that even if he didn't like it, he would still right, do given 110%. He did. While they were filming, he had doubts, but he did it anyway because he is he is a true, he is he's a blue collar worker actor. He, he have you seen? He has to do this. I mean, you're from, you're from Indiana, so you've probably definitely seen Hoosiers. I'm not actually from Indiana. <gasps> I'm a transplant. I've only been here for five years, but I do. I think I have watched Hoosiers actually. So I mean um, that that movie's notorious for Gene Hackman being a total dick on set because he didn't think the movie was going to be good, and then when he <laughs> saw the final cut, he like looked at the director and was like, "How the hell did you do that?" Because <laughs> I mean that movie's it's, fucking it's, great. That that's the wonderful thing about movies that uh, people don't really understand is that if you look at movies by the clips, like the work, the actual work as it's being done, it's usually a boring mess. It isn't until someone edits it and adds stuff, adds music, 
<clears throat> picks certain lines of dialogue, ditches other lines of dialogue, all that stuff. That's when the story comes together. The original Star Wars film, the UK production crew, they thought George was insane. They thought this thing was a piece of shit worse than like, you know, Barbarella in space or whatever. I don't know, whatever was going on at the time uh, of like B-movie science fiction. You know what I mean? And it wasn't until they saw a finished product, they were like, holy shit, that man was a genius. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, Luke kind of does a turnabout here, which I don't mind. Because one of the things of The Last Jedi was Luke starts off in this dark place. It isn't until later on when he makes that sacrifice play that he's like, I'm back on board with the Jedi stuff. I'm back <clears throat> in believing in hope. I'm going to do this thing to save the rebellion. You know? So to have his Force Ghost still be cantankerous, but also like, hey, I'm kind of kind of drink the kool-aid again on the jedi side i kind of feel like you shouldn't throw a lightsaber around like it's yeah it's it's also an acknowledgement that okay i was wrong to just throw my father's right. lightsaber that right. he murdered children with over the... <laughs> well maybe i should have thrown that one but <laughs> yeah it's it, it's it's definitely it it's a sign of growth and I'm sure some fanboys took it as a <laughs> Last Jedi sucks. That's why they did this. <laughs> Which maybe maybe there's a little bit of that in there, but I I think story wise it still fits the idea of even in death, Luke can grow as a character. Um, Great, you know. So basically, Luke kind of smacks her upside the head and's like, "Hey, dummy, running away from this is not gonna you know help you out." Remember, my sister started training you as a Jedi, and she even knew that you were a Palpatine. Like, she knew ahead of time. I love how they do that sort of thing. Like, you know, like, Yoda is Darth Vader, my father. Yeah, yeah, I knew all along. Sorry. <laughs> you know? Um, so that kind of just motivates Rey to, to get going. And I love that Luke finally got to levitate the ship. Well, there's also one of my favorite scenes where she goes into Luke's main igloo and grabs Leia's lightsaber, and then we have that great flashback. Oh yeah, there there is that fun flashback that kind of like even the visual style of it just kind of reminded me of um, the Timothy uh, Zahn uh, Thrawn trilogy, and a little bit of like Splinter of the Mind's Eye artwork. It kind of has this weird extended universe vibe to it you know what i mean because like they're not wearing uniforms or in any other movie um the helmets are a little bit different than the one on the millennium falcon that they use it, it just it gave me a fun little i i don't know how to, how to really explain it just just like i said a little nod to the expanded universe kind of vibe yeah and again i'll reiterate i'm a sucker for jedi leia because i mean they set that up all the way back in return of the jedi and it's cool to see her do more stuff and to have her own lightsaber. I mean, if they ever did a series with her short stint as a Jedi, I would freaking love that. Yeah, that would, I mean, that would be an absolute blast. I uh, don't know who they'd do for casting as, well, I mean. I mean, it, it would have to be Billy Lord. Yeah, probably. I mean, that, that's who they used to play her in the flashback scene. I mean, of course, they did the CGI overlay of Carrie Fisher's face, but it was Billy Lord acting with Mark Hamill. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, like you know, we've said this in the previous ones with with technology nowadays. Disney and Disney Plus could do whatever the hell they want at this point. Um, so yeah, we've got our, our lightsaber, we've got our wayfinder from the burned wreckage, um, and we've got a waterlogged X-wing that still flies after forty years <laughs> or twenty years being submerged in water. Yeah, those those things are uh, pretty hardy. They're built to last. Um, C-3PO's memory's back, making his death pointless. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Uh, I mean, he was willing to do it anyway, because he was, he acknowledged that it, it, there was a possibility that R2 might not have backed his memory up. So, I mean, he was willing to I, do it with the knowledge that, that that might not have worked. I get it. It's just the same. It's the same from, like, Man of Steel when, um... You know, Paul makes the sacrifice to save the dog and make sure Clark doesn't use his powers. And then Clark runs around for most of the movie without any kind of mask or any ID doing stuff in broad daylight in front of witnesses. And there's a new dog anyway, so that dog's dead. So <laughs> pointless drama. Oh, man, I got to buy ant traps. I'm seeing an ant crawling over my air conditioner. It's pissing me off. <laughs> I'm going to have to tell him who's boss. Anyway. Um, sorry to sidetrack there, but thanks to the Wayfinder and Luke Sky Luke Skywalker's X-wing, Ray sends a signal to the Rebellion. Um, I, I'm not calling them the resistance resistance at this point. They're the Rebellion. That's just you know at, at this point we're all we're all going back in time. Um, that she knows the way to go to Exegol, and now they know the way to go to Exegol, and everybody's flying their ship through all that crazy shit. Um, and we also get to see Ningyum. My favorite co-pilot, Ning Num. I love that guy. Doesn't he um, go into the Millennium Falcon with uh, Lando? Yes, I think he is with Lando and Chewie. And uh, I, I was like, oh, just like old times, buddy. I mean, cool. I, I I do love the idea of him being back in the Millennium Falcon. If anybody should be flying the Millennium Falcon in the final battle, it should be Lando. Yeah, and I think Akbar has a kid because there there is another he one. He does. I meant uh, to bring that there. up earlier. So that was super cool. I'm like, I like this thing. Even though Akbar's dead, his legacy lives on. That's right. And um, he apparently got laid. <laughs> yeah, good for him. Good for him. Um, so, you know, we go into space battle with the, the final order. Uh, small rebellion. We're still waiting for backup from the Millennium Falcon. He's, you know, Lando said he's going to get re re reinforcements. And they do say, like, you know, in The Last Jedi... You know, we called off reinforcements, nobody came. So I don't know how good this is going to be. But they do that. We got a great space battle. Um, the first order, or the final order, man, their their outfits are snazzy. Their, their tailor is slick. They add red to everything. Got them yeah, red stormtroopers. Uh, they're scary. Yeah, they're definitely not fooling around. Um, General Pride is loving this new army he's got. Uh but then they they like the 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 rebels are like we got we got a plan and they land troop carriers and all the horses from Endor are there like all the ex stormtroopers and they like run onto the 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 lead uh, star destroyer that's controlling all the other star destroyers because yeah because the generals like we'll shut down their speeders and they're like uh, they're not using speeders yeah that was that was pretty fun I mean it it's I like all these weird fun callbacks where they really don't like take into account of like space or physics you right know, like like in space you can't hear sound but in episode two there's like a sonic bomb in an asteroid field which sounds awesome 
Yeah, it looks cool. Um, of course, every ship has engines running in space, and you can hear them soaring around, laser blasts. Uh, the bombers, I love the bombers in Rise in, in the Last Jedi. That whole like World War II bomber thing. I'm like, that's great. Um, and and see, and here we have ground troopers on top of a ship. I mean, they're not out. they're not technically in space. They're still in atmosphere, but it's still it's that's it's ridiculous. Still... But I mean, it's a Star Wars movie. Well, it's like it's like if you're in the upper atmosphere, I don't know what's going on on that planet. It seems to look like regular temperature. So the higher atmosphere would be colder. You people would freaking freeze to death. Um, you know, or wind, gusts of wind. How is it incredibly still on this Star Destroyer? <laughs> um, but they're having this cool battle and everything. Um, Ray, of course, confronts the cult. Now, if you've ever read um, the Dark Dark Empire books uh, from Dark Horse Comics, which is the sequel to the Thrawn trilogy, you'll know that in that, Palpatine comes back as an evil clone. He wants to use Luke Skywalker. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, they they borrow a lot from Dark Empire in this movie. And a lot of the imagery, like the giant, there's like giant ships, monolith ships um, in the comic book that like decimate the Mon Calamari, Admiral Ackbar's uh, home species. And they're like big kind of sloping, not quite pyramid shaped things. And the, the main castle of the Sith is like that too. So like there's a lot of imagery borrowed from Dark Horse Comics in this and so I was always tickled pink when I saw the Emperor's, you know, big building. But Ray goes to confront uh, Grandpa and the cult. There's like thousands and thousands of dudes just chanting for Palpatine. I'm like, is that what you do all day here? Like, what do we guys do? Just wear robes and just chill in the background while other workers build all those Star Destroyers? I mean, what's going on? I don't know. Is there a division of the Final Order that's just Gregorian monks? What's the deal? <laughs> But, uh, you know, Palpatine reveals his plan that somehow like and this is a thing from Dark Empire as well. His his presence is like force lightning and he can jump from body to body. Yeah. Um, if you strike him down, he'll basically just invade you. He'll possess you and you will become the new, you know, chief Palpatine, so to speak. Yeah. Strike me down and become the empress. Yeah. And also creepy because you know the first thing he's going to do is like oh i'm a girl now start feeling himself up weirdo <laughs> creep <laughs> i mean the old man <laughs> i mean he's fucking evil i wouldn't put it past him yeah i'm just saying that's exactly what he would do <laughs> and the whole the whole the monks would be like ew oh god i mean ew, i don't come in i don't expect palpatine to be pc <laughs> <laughs> that's true um so you know They've, they've got that moment. Ben has got his, you know, he realizes thanks to to his uh, delusional, <laughs> delusional dead dad come back uh, that he has been. So he steals a TIE fighter. He flies all the way. To, he knows the way to Exegol without a wayfinder because he's cool like that. Um, or maybe he can follow Luke Skywalker's back. I don't know. <laughs> um, gets to the planet and here's where we have Ben versus the Knights of Ren. Ben versus Ren. Um, and so basically, you know, Palps, Grandpa Palps tells Ray, like, you're going to strike me down with your lightsaber. And it's kind of a callback. I, I didn't realize this the first time, like, you know, JJ doesn't necessarily trash The Last Jedi too much. Tries to get 
you know, um, Kylo to kill Ray, uh, he starts saying, I can see him turning the lightsaber, you know. And uh, Palps does the same thing here. He's like, you will take the lightsaber and you will rise up and show Like, he does the same thing. So there's a little callback to the last movie there. Only she uses that whole dyad in the force thing and she puts the lightsaber behind her back and Ben, who doesn't have any weapon versus the Knights of Ren, puts his hand up and he's like, oh, I got a lightsaber. And the Knights of Ren are like, oh shit. And they crap their pants and he kills them in like two seconds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't think JJ is the one that hates The Last Jedi. I think that, you know, he tweeted a lot when before last year I came out that he loved the script so much and he, he was disappointed that he wasn't going to get to direct it, even though that was kind of his own choice. He totally should have been the one to direct all three movies. So there, there would have been a concise, um, yeah. Vision. Right. Uh, but, um, I think that it was more of the studio being reacting to the fans rather than JJ reacting to the fans. Cause JJ still, despite being the director has people to answer to. Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. I, you know, I. The only thing that I'm kind of like on JJ's ass about is he does, you know, he does love his nostalgia, and he's like clearly obvious from the Force Awakens, um, throughout. So he does he does he does love his callbacks to that stuff. But at least he does callbacks to to uh, Last Jedi as well. I mean, even in his first Star Trek movie, there's callbacks to Star Wars where he's clearly a Star Wars fan first, which isn't a bad thing. Um, but yeah, so I'm not surprised that, that that those are there. So at this point, Le- or, yeah, Leia, um, Ray and uh, Ben confront the Emperor and uh, he starts sucking the life out of him. <laughs> no he starts to become not a zombie he gets his old kind of look back to him um and of course we cut to the space battle and it's looking pretty bleak for the for the resistance rebels whatever the hell you want to call them and they kill my buddy from alias they kill snap how dare they dude survived the other two films what the hell <laughs> but what does the emperor do next now with his newfound power oh well, I mean, he does it after Lando comes in with the cavalry. So right after Snap dies and Poe's like, it's hopeless, guys. I'm sorry. We had a good fight with our last. <laughs> and Lando's like, hey, what did I tell you about how we'll win? We'll win together. And they cue the, you know, the da, 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 da. And it's everybody in the galaxy. And the general is like, what Navy is that? And his lieutenant's like, I don't think it's Navy, sir. I think it's just people. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, they start winning. They start trashing the things. But the Emperor, man, he gets a new set of duds. He gets some snazzy red thrown into his robe and everything. Like, 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 like in between scenes, like, I'm just imagining that creaky old man just discarding his crappy robe. He's like, attend me. (laughs) the creepy Gregorian monks are like, okay, fine, here, put this on. And so, you know, Palps is like, hey, I'm looking good. I got a little bit of life into me. I don't really even need to transfer into your body, bitch. I got my own. In fact, I got so much power, 
I'm just gonna laser zap the entire Rebel <laughs> Alliance. It's a it's again it's again it's a video game like kind of moment. Because <laughs> he is all the Sith. That's that's they that, that's one thing about this movie. They throw in little hints and pieces of lines that have callback. Like later on, there'll be something like, "I'm all of the Sith," and he zaps every ship, and all the ships are falling out of the sky, and they're like, "Oh crap! What are we gonna do?" And that's when, of course, we, you know, um, oh, and also Wedge Antilles comes back. After they kill my my new Wedge Antilles, they bring back old Wedge Antilles. So good for him. Um, so, you know, the Emperor is is uh, basically destroying the whole Rebel Alliance, the Resistance, what have you. And Ray, uh, well, I should say Ben gets up and uh, Palps is like, be gone with you, Skywalker. Knocks him into a ravine to his death, or at least you think he died. I let me ask you this: between the two of them, who do you think should have been the one to kill Palpatine? Um. Well, I mean, if we're going story theme wise, it's always been Ray's story. This whole thing has revolved around Ray, so it's got to be Ray. I think poetically, it should have been both of them. Um, you know, they both had a lightsaber at that point. They should have both, you know, maybe held hands while holding their lightsaber <laughs> and deflected. I don't know. You need a cheery, happy family moment. I don't know. Whatever. Because I, I feel like that's, you know, it, it's kind of weird that Ben just gets knocked to the side. I know he serves a purpose here in a second or two, but yeah, I kind of feel like it should have been both of them. I, what are your thoughts? I, so I think Ben should have died fighting the emperor and killing the emperor. Uh, I get that it's Ray's <laughs> story, but I mean, I feel like it would have finished Ben's arc. Um, so you just, you just wanted to return the Jedi again. I, I know, but that, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're doing callbacks to the original trilogy right. and how history repeats itself. And, I mean, even the Emperor was like, I need to get rid of the last Skywalker before this fucker kills me again. Uh, so, I mean, to his credit, he at least realizes, oh, shit, this guy, I mean, I was killed by Vader, so maybe I should get rid of Ben. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't hate the idea of Rey killing the main bad guy. She is the main hero of the series, but I think I slightly prefer it would have been Ben and it would have made his death feel less kind of out of nowhere. I mean, I mean, I get because, like I said, with the callbacks, you know, earlier the Emperor's like, I am all of the Sith. So Ray starts hearing voices, and we get to hear, you know, Ewan McGregor. We get to hear um, Liam Neeson, Samuel Jackson. We get to hear uh, Freddie Prinze Jr. We actually hear um, Kanan from Star Wars Rebels in there. Um and Ahsoka Tano is in there, like a whole bunch of Jedi from previous TV shows, movies are telling her to get up and, you know, believe in the force and be one with the force. We are here with you. And so of course she's like, you know, I am, you may be all the Sith, but I am all the Jedi. And basically she just rebounds his force lightning blast and disintegrates him, which I could see, I could see if you wanted to do something, you could have had Ben sneak up behind, like, while. While Grant, Grampy Paps, Palps is is lecturing Ray, he could have, 
you know, and maybe he's zapping Ray like Return of the Jedi. Um, you know, maybe Ben had stabbed him in the back, kind of holding on to him and throw him into a ravine <laughs> while getting, you know, shocked by lightning. Right. Um, it definitely would have been a callback to Return of the Jedi. Uh, but you know, we have all the Jedi versus all the Sith, and it turns out all the Jedi kick all the Sith's ass. So Ray just dies. She's standing there triumphant, and she just drops dead. And I'm just like, how does that even work? Because what what is this whole thing about every time a Jedi does something powerful, they have to die in this trilogy? <laughs> <laughs> like every time, like they're 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 midichlorian level just i guess hit zero and they just drop uh because really i mean yes she channeled the force through her but the lightning blast wasn't hitting her it was hitting the lightsabers and the lightsabers were deflecting the lightning they were taking the damage so i just didn't understand that besides the need for for ben to do a redemptive act because of the horrible shit he did as Kylo. And of course, you know, Ben comes up to her and he does the force healing thing that she's been doing the whole movie and brings her back and they smile and they kiss and he dies. Yeah. He, I don't get, I don't understand how he just dies. Because he gave up all his midichlorian level. He like, but he that doesn't make any sense. Ray would have for Mega Man. Ray would have died upon healing him when he got stabbed by the lightsaber because he was dying during that well, point too. But see, but see, he was dying. <laughs> he was dead. See, that's this, a, that's a that's a bigger pull on the force. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, just saying. Just saying. Um. Also, the lightsaber is a cauterizing tool, so I don't necessarily know that he was dying when she did that. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't have been great for him. No, I mean, yeah, he would definitely need medical attention eventually. But that boy, there's a, there's a hole in my stomach. That's not good. That's yeah. Things need to be working where that soldered hole is. But um, yeah, so you know, Ben, uh, you know, Ben saved the day, but he sacrificed himself. And then Finn and New Girl um, decide to blow up the bridge of the one ship that helped all the other ships deactivate and it's like a sacrifice play there's so many false sacrifice plays in this movie um but as they're destroying all this the the ships you know poe goes to rescue finn and lando's like my ship's faster and millennium falcon flies in and saves the day and all the good guys escape and the ships all across the galaxy that that had left which Kind of made, I, like I was under the impression they weren't going to launch their attack until they're like all together, but apparently they sent a couple of ships out to blow up other planets, not just Kajimi. Um, the ship, uh, the ship above Bespin falls down and blows up miraculously. The ship above Endor, the moon of Endor, that I like, full of Ewoks, blows up. Um, and all the good guys win and. We are, are hanging out at the end, and the the new the stormtrooper girl is sitting next to Lando, and there's this line of dialogue that I think they're hinting at something. I think you were going to ask this question. Uh, go ahead and ask the question. So, 
I took it as this was like his long lost daughter, and they the first him. and the first order took it took her from him somehow. And I mean, I find it pretty easy to believe that Lando has a long lost daughter. I mean, let's not pretend he's not a player. Um, yeah, they, but, they totally hinted that right there. I'm like, but crying out loud. The online reaction was like, oh, he's totally hitting on her. And I was like, no, that's no. not what I took from it at all. No, he's not, you weirdos. Jesus. <laughs> creepy, creepy, creepy weirdos. It's like, no, he's, he's like, oh, let's go find your dad. I, I, I just imagine them getting on a ship and he just turns and he's like, I'm here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your dad. And um, me and Chewie, I just... Just pretend Chewie's your uncle because we're, we're we're taking this ship and we're going on adventures, okay? Yeah, okay. So, so good. I'm glad that you didn't find the scene creepy. I, I found it sweet, you know? No, I I, I found it um, it's sweet, but it's also tacked on and it's also like, uh, there's only three black people in all the galaxy. <laughs> so, of course, of course it's his daughter. Well, <laughs> I mean... It, it also makes like the first order look more like shitheads because they. Oh yeah! Throughout the movie, they drop hints that like the first order has been just kidnapping whole planet filled like full of children, not just a couple here or there, but they're like harvesting young people like crops for their troops. I feel like what they should have done is maybe have her say something earlier in the movie that was similar to what Londo might have said in. Not Lando. Lance Lando might have said in Empire or Return of the Jedi, like just I don't know, like maybe it's a small line or some sort of mannerism to make more of a hint. I don't think that they meant to be like, oh well, she's black, so she's clearly Lando's it's, daughter. It's just it's just so convenient and just the way they're there, and it's like the only two black people in the scene, and I don't know where my dad is, and you know, just like it. I, I don't see. I, I agree with you. I don't think JJ thought that was going to come off like that, but it certainly does come off like that. Like I, I feel like he didn't realize. Like you know, maybe if she had been sitting next to someone else, uh, and that wouldn't have been so tacked on and feel forced, you know. Um, but I definitely don't think that he was trying to bang the twenty-something-year-old ex stormtrooper. I, I, yeah, like I don't know that, why that was like. I don't know if you ever like came across that on the internet and I was just like the scene is on YouTube. And if you look at the comments, like 20% of them is like, is he hitting on her? It's like, no, that's not what's happening at all. I refer to the fact that the, a good portion of the internet loves to ship every time they see two people on screen. Yeah. But they, they, they're, I mean, no offense to couples that are, have like a huge age gap, but it, I didn't get that at all. Well, it's it's the equivalent of Hugh Hefner and his wives. It's like, uh <laughs> No, we're not doing that. Yeah. Um so, you know, they have their celebration and Ray takes off. And she goes to Tatooine. Well, we always gotta end with Tatooine. We gotta end with Tatooine. It's it's yeah, it's nice, it's poignant. Um and she buries like she's at the old um Skywalker ranch, if you want to call it that. Or I don't, did Lars have Skywalker's last name? Uh, no, because I mean, remember they were trying to hide uh, Luke. Luke. Lars Klieg, is it? I forget what the hell his last name was. Uh, I want to say Klieg. Um, 
but he, you know, they're back at the old homestead and she uses the force to bury Luke and Leia's lightsaber. Like, I was under the impression you were going to start training Jedis and you might need those. I guess laying those sabers to rest because, I mean, she has her own now and then her students can make practice sabers. I guess. I guess. I just, I just felt like, I was like, that seems weird to bury those. Um, especially like Leia's saber. Leia's saber didn't really do anything. It doesn't have any bad mojo like Luke's does. Um, or Anakin's, I should say. So, you know, it, it, it's an odd scene to me. I'm not quite sure. I'd love to pick JJ's brain and be like, why did you feel the need to do that? Um, unless it's more of like, we're burying the past. And we're embracing the future kind of vibe. Maybe. But she has my favorite lightsaber of all the thing. Because I love orange. And she has an orange lightsaber. Yay. Which she should have had the whole movie. Which she should have had the whole movie. This is true. Um, that is, People, like movies nowadays, producers, directors, writers, they have this obsession of doing prequel nonsense type shit where you have to build up to the very end of the cool thing at the end of the movie and then not show it and then cut to credits. Like, you know, like Batman Begins with the Joker card or that new shitty Fantastic Four movie where they don't call themselves the name until the very end credits and they cut the credits. It's, 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 or Thomas Jane Punisher, where he really doesn't become Punisher until the very end. It, you know, the obsession in, in, in the last modern, you know, 20, 20 some years of holding out that cool reveal for the end instead of embracing it throughout the movie drives me insane. <laughs> um, and so of course the la- this lady comes up and she's like oh nice to see someone moving in, you know moving in here I haven't seen anyone here in a generation and what's your name and she's like my name's Ray and before she says Palpatine we get to see the force ghosts of Luke and Leia Ray who? I'm Ray Skywalker this and- is a line that to- people totally didn't hate yeah people fucking hated that line and i was like you didn't know this was gonna happen the name's the movie's called rise of skywalker but what you what you think was gonna happen <laughs> i mean well i guess i'll ask what do you think about her adopting the skywalker name i don't have an issue with that it's like okay if if you were let's say you were adolf hitler's son and you had to fight a reanimated Adolf Hitler to save the world. And you didn't know you were a Hitler, but you were revealed to be a Hitler. And then people asked you who you were, hero. Would you call yourself Adolf Hitler? Or would you be like, I'm Adolf Roosevelt? Or I'm Adolf... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I'm just saying, like, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. The title of the movie is called Rise of Skywalker. This whole thing is about Ray finding her identity and the, the, the argument of her being a Palpatine is like, well, Palpatine is a name associated with the greatest evil of the galaxy. Nobody fucking wants that. So it's the idea of Skywalker finally winning over Palpatine. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and I mean, depending on what you believe, there are some that think that Darth, that, and that uh, Palpatine is actually Anakin's father and that he orchestrated Anakin's birth somehow. So technically the Palpatine and Skywalkers might actually be family. 
I mean, I don't know. I don't think they actually ever set that up in the movie. I think that might be like a fan theory. It's um, actually been loose. It's it's been established in the Marvel comics. Okay, so I'm not Palpatine, crazy. Yeah, Palpatine did do that. He did basically create Anakin as as an experiment with the Force. So, um, yeah, I can't remember what issue it came out like two years ago because there was a big to do online. Everybody's like, "Oh, this theory! You'll never believe what theory!" I'm like, "Oh, is it the thing that uh, Anakin may be a creation of Palpatine?" Yeah, we already know that it's been planted since Episode Two. <laughs> like it's it's been there all along but yeah so i mean technically she's been a skywalker the whole time if you want to think about it that way i don't i don't hate it either because i mean it's clear that leia saw ray as a pseudo daughter anyway and i find it pretty easy to believe that leia would have adopted ray had ray had she you know survived the third film um so I don't know why anybody would think she wouldn't. They would, her and Luke wouldn't be okay with Ray being an adoptive daughter. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't have a problem with it. Again, most of the argument with people is just that it does boil down to sexism, and I'm sure the fans will be like, "No, it's not. It just seems stupid and wrong." I'm like, "Okay, that's a bullshit, childish response to why you think it's wrong." And just, just admit it. Admit you idea of this incredibly powerful girl doing all this stuff just just admit it i just want you to admit it i mean it would have been different had they made luke and leia look completely incompetent throughout the three films and made ray completely perfect and have her fix all their mistakes and then she's like oh well i'm actually i'm the real skywalker yeah. no she they, they'd never do that she's a screw up throughout the movies through her anger and everything and her self doubt. She's always doubting or something. She, the only thing she didn't do in tradition, she didn't lose a limb. There was no lightsaber right. limb. Um, in duel of the fates, she was supposed to lose both of her eyes. Like she was supposed to go blind. Like she got hit in the face with a lightsaber, which sounds gruesome. I, they, I mean, if you haven't watched star Wars rebels, um, I won't say who, what, where, or why, um, but there is an incident like that. So there's a force user who does get blinded um, by a It kind of reminds, that visual kind of reminds me of Neo and Matrix Revolutions where he, it, yeah. his eyes are, are gone. It would have been yeah. cool to see them go with that. Well, so that I mean, Ray would have had a visual mark. Yeah, and I think like like in a movie like that, when you when you grievously wound a character or disfigure them like that, you, you know they're going to die. Like you're just like, well, they're done because they're not going to just come out with no freaking eyes for the rest. <laughs> there will be no other Matrix movie with the eyes unless they resurrect them as a clone, a bloody meatbag clone. And oh, wait, yeah, they did. <laughs> or were they really a clone or they just took their bodies and just Frankenstein them? I can't remember. Um, I'll have to talk about the Matrix movies someday. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, an ending to a trilogy that was marred by obvious executive, you know, orders and changes and well, audience reactions. It's the end of the episodic films too, which I find to be kind of silly and hard to believe. I I don't like. I, I feel like the only reason why they said that was because people were bitching about these films. Just just look. Stop trying to make these movies via committee. Have a plan and just try to tell a good story. 
you know, I mean, for the most part, you know, I've seen a couple of Marvel films. I feel like we're committee, you know, but I've also seen a lot of great Marvel films that were like, just telling a good story. I just want to tell a good story. And with Star Wars, you know, you know, they did Rogue One and it told a good story. Yeah, there's a lot of trouble with that movie. It was a very troubled production, but it still was fun. It was never a movie that anybody was asking for at the time. Whereas like Solo, a prequel with like a young Han Solo, that sounded like something people would want to see. But we want to see Han Solo in his prime. But it turned out people didn't want to see that. It felt very manufactured. Like, you know, we're doing this because it's inevitable to do. Um, these sequel movies, had, had they let J.J. do all three, maybe they would have came off a little bit more planned more a little bit more like okay that's what he wanted to do all along but what what year was it that disney bought star wars was it 2012 and then um, force awakens came came out in 2015 year disney bought it had to have been sooner that than that because i remember being in high school when that happened um and everybody was flipping out of course uh, 2012 in October. Okay. Four billion dollars. Wow. And um, then, I mean, they made the first movie in three years. I mean, that's pretty quick. That, well, yeah. For for, if I had to guess, the acquisition of Star Wars was probably it was definitely not an overnight thing. So they knew what they wanted to do. They probably put money and resources towards planning what they wanted to do. So. Sure. I feel like I feel like the sequel series probably wasn't just done in three years. It was probably started five or six. You know what I mean? And, a, and apparently, Lucas had scripts for his version of the of the sequels, and they just decided not to use it. And who knows what those would have been like? I mean, they've ne they've never released those online or anything. It'd be cool to read those just to see what his idea would have been. Yeah, I um, think they they should let Marvel do a set of comics for him. Um, might as well but, I mean he's never really maybe it's under contract that he's not allowed to talk about it but I'd be cool I'd love to know at least what the story points would have been um, but I don't know um, I think had he done it the story would have been more concise but the dialogue would have been about the same level as the prequels <laughs> Yeah, no, he was horrible with dialogue. He was horrible with uh, directing actors. He really only knew how to do a baseline story because, sure, the baseline stories of the prequels seem fun, but the acting and the pacing and stuff are very plotting. Only I mean, episode three really stands out because that's the height of the war. There's a lot of dark crap going on. There's a lot of action going on. There's a lot of great visuals in Revenge of the Sith. I mean... yeah. Once hitch shit hits the fan, that movie becomes like yeah. a ten out of ten. Yeah, but episode two is nothing but exposition. It's people talking about things happening <laughs> off camera. Right. And there's like scenes of Annie riding a giant tick, which looks so horrible because they didn't have the technology to really simulate a guy riding a giant tick. <laughs> um <laughs> I think uh I think that's why Attack of the Clones and Last Jedi are kind of neck and neck as far as my least favorite Star Wars movies with Attack of the Clones. I think the only thing that really holds it up for me is Anakin killing the 
the stuff with Anakin's mom is is great stuff. It's really compelling and dark. And then, of course, the last act is very exciting, where you get to see a bunch of Jedi fight in an arena. Like I ate that up as a kid. Yeah, I um, I remember at the time I was really big into collecting Star Wars figures, and my uh, my ex got me the Geonosis uh, arena. So I would have a display up of the arena with all the Jedi and all the um, the and the, the the droids and everything so that was always a fun that was always a fun point for me in the movie it doesn't visually it looks pretty rough now like cg wise i'm like man uh some of this is like really rough it was great at the time for like 2002 um the yoda scenes are like when i was in the theater we we lost our shit when when yoda pulled out the lightsaber the whole audience like started screaming because we never seen Yoda do anything before. So um, it has its moments. It also has its flaws. I mean, all overall, the entire Skywalker trilogy is a fun, entertaining, even if flawed in certain areas. You know, like, I don't know. And, and like modern moviegoers can go and watch the original trilogy and they can talk shit on it. I just saw a guy today. He's like, uh, you know, I just watched Return of the Jedi, you know, because it's the anniversary. And I got to say, Man, a lot of the effects just don't hold up. They just don't look good. Like, I look at like this, like when the ships on the Death Star, the background just looks like a flat pa- painting. I'm like, because it is, you asshole. <laughs> 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 I'm like, it's 1983 when this was made. Optical effects could only do so much. They're fucking great, though. I think they're fantastic for what they are. If you're going to be objective, Yes, Return of the Jedi does not look anywhere near as good as Revenge of the Sith, special effects-wise. But they have a lot of heart. They look technically proficient for what they were at the time. They were astounding when I was five when I saw it. Um, you know, flying through the Death Star is insane. And even now, like, I, I hate HDTVs because you can see that box. You can see the box around the ships. Um, you couldn't see that as a kid. You really didn't. You didn't see it. You didn't notice it. And you're watching it on a VHS tape or a laser disc, a standard definition TV. You were fine. Those movies also weren't meant to be put through Ultra HD, 4K. They really weren't at the time. We didn't have that technology. So, to to act like the movie should hold up to like the the sequel trilogy in in technical proficiency is just absurd. They didn't have the technology then. They would have if they could have. Um, so after seeing like Rise of Skywalker again, do you still like? How do you feel about it now? Um, it's not my least favorite. I reserve that for uh, Attack of the Clones. Um, it's it's pretty pretty low bar, but it's okay. So. In total effect, Return of the Jedi for a long time for me was kind of the same. It's saccharine sweet. It's like, oh, we won the war just by blowing up the Death Star. Everything's over, even though we have, you know, troopers across the galaxy. <laughs> you know, it, it's, you know, a bunch of teddy bears kicked the stormtroopers' ass. I've mellowed out in the last couple of years, and I, and I've enjoy, I enjoy Return of the Jedi. Now, um, do I like the dance number added in for the special edition? Hell no. Uh, I can't stand that scene um i do fast forward to that scene but um 
yeah, I feel like this is just this is just the return of the Jedi. And, and, and rightly so. It's the third chapter in the movies. It, it does wrap up everything in a tiny little bow, even though we all know, especially thanks to Disney Plus continuing TV shows, that none of these wrap up in a tiny little bow. Um, there's always going to be some holdover, of course. The, the bad guys don't all just surrender and give up that day. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't hate it. I am a little bit better than emotionally numb that I was. I was emotionally numb to it. I very much was like, this movie's crap, um, but it's passable crap. Now I'm like, I see some of the beats. I see that JJ respect the movie before it a little bit. Um, and like you said, it may not have been his decision to say, scrap this, scrap that. It may have been the board is saying, this was bad, throw this out. Yeah, because... I mean, no. they they're list they're listening to fans who are making videos like how with titles like how the last Jedi ruined cinema, which is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and sending death threats to actors and shit like that. So like, ooh, ooh, ooh. and I'm just like, you know, you probably should embrace those people that they're threatening, push them to the side, um, and maybe just protect them. You know, like I, I feel I feel Rose Tycho was a character that basically was sacrificed to make some nerds happy. And that pisses me off. But, um, but yeah, overall, will I ever watch this again? Sure. Somewhere down the line, I'll watch the sequel trilogy again. <clears throat> um, I, it's, it's not going to be in the dumpster bin and never watched ever again. So, that, you know, hey, they passed. You know, D plus. There you go. <laughs> I think the overall... I like the sequel trilogy. Like I don't have any ill feelings towards it. And I think that time will, it'll do the same for it did with the prequel trilogy where we, once we have even more content and stories with these characters, or at least related to these characters, it'll bring more context to it. Like Clone Wars with the prequel trilogy gave Anakin and Obi-Wan a lot more character stuff. So I guess we'll see. We shall see. It, it would be nice if they did a sequel TV series or something like Clone Wars set after this. And who knows? But anyway, we've actually been talking just as long as that movie is. Um, yep. <laughs> it is time for us to go. I got some things to do today. But um, before we go, you want to pitch something? Uh, you can check out my podcast, which I need to start recording new episodes. Um, it's called B-Movie Binge. You can check that out on Spotify and YouTube. Uh, of course, I write books, too. You can check those out on Amazon, whether it be the Phantom Watch series or the Half Angel series. All right. And I am Roy Stiffy representing Croctopus Art. You can find me on tpublic.com if you'd like to purchase some T-shirts with my designs. Next time, we will be talking about Babylon 5. That's going to be a five-hour podcast because Alex knows a lot about Babylon 5. <laughs> yep. Yes, I do. All right, everybody. Until next time, I'll see you later. Say goodbye. See ya. Bye-bye. <laughs>